This is a HeadGum Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. We are continuing to celebrate the premiere of Black Panther that is coming out soon in a theater near you on February 16th. And as you know, we did a set visit a while back in February of last year, and we're sharing with you some of the interviews featured in that set visit. We're breaking this up into a series of episodes over the month. Um, So our first series will include the following. Producer Nate Moore and actors Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this Black Panther edition of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. And don't forget, Black Panther releases nationwide in theaters on February 16th. Enjoy. Producer Nate Moore. Tell us sort of like, you know, uh, where does this story begin? Yeah, it begins where Civil War left off, right? So obviously that that movie had a big impact on T'Challa because T'Chaka was killed. Uh, so now we, we answer the question, what happens when he goes home? Who rules Wakanda? How does Wakanda now deal with the loss of, of a king who was a fair king, who people seem to like? Uh, and is T'Challa ready to be the king of Wakanda? Well, I'm kind of bridging off that. The thing that's always been really interesting about Black Panther is the fact that he obviously, being a, being royalty, he has a certain dedication to Wakanda, but being a world leader, he also has a responsibility to the rest of the world. How is that kind of being balanced within this film? I think that's the big question is, can you be uh, a leader for a country and still be a hero yeah. and still look out for the interests of the world when really you have a constituency that has a very specific agenda, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in our world, and like publishing, Wakanda is a place where the rest of the world doesn't know how advanced they are. So he's trying to keep this veil of secrecy in this nation to keep them protected. But I think sort of morally he understands that he could be doing more for the world. And that's the tension we, we play with with yeah. Um, obviously, the the mantle of king and the mantle of Black Panther are things that are passed down in Wakanda. Uh, how much is that going to be explored in the film and as far as the Panthers that have come before him? Uh, it's definitely a big piece of the movie, and I think uh, we want to explore how succession works in Wakanda. Um, you know, again, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what was clear in Civil War, what we actually think was clear, was that you could be king without being Panther and vice versa, right? So we always imagined that T'Chaka was king, but T'Challa already was Black Panther. So what happens now when the Black Panther is next in line to be king? And are people going to be okay with him taking the mantle? Or is there going to be any resistance to that? Um, And that's a big plot point in the movie is... Uh, you know, all of Wakanda is not monolithic. Everybody doesn't agree about everything. Everybody doesn't like the same people. So while some people may love the idea of T'Challa taking uh, the mantle of king, other people may object to it. And what happens then? How do you how do you keep this country unified? Yeah, I think for Killmonger, it's uh, again the interesting comparison we've been making. And this is going to sound crazy, but um, we've always thought of the Black Panther is a James Bond kind of movie, right? It's sort of this big globe-trotting epic. But in talking with Ryan Coogler, the director, one of the ideas that he also liked was this sort of Godfather kind of storytelling. And when I say Godfather, it's, it's the idea that it's very much a story about family and a story about an organization where a new leadership is taking place. And much like the Godfather, you have the five families, right? And they're all vying for power. And, and in this case, it's power over Wakanda. I think Killmonger sees uh, Wakanda as something that could be used differently than it currently is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that puts him directly at odds with T'Challa. Do we get a sense of how the Wakandans regard T'Challa prior to him be, becoming king? 
you do in a way. Uh, and I say that because a big part of the beginning of the movie is this adjustment to life without T'Chaka. So you see some of the other leaders in Wakanda and, and how they interact with T'Challa sort of indicates how they feel about him. Uh, and I think even for him, you know, this is a guy who wasn't planning on being king anytime soon. So he's sort of being thrust into a leadership position almost before his time. Uh, so he's not even sure if he's the right leader for Wakanda. How much do we see of like his uh, upbringing and his you know childhood and youth, like basically his life up until Civil War? Yeah, you get a little bit of a sense, you know, uh, of what it was like before when he was a kid. Honestly, it's not a huge part of the movie, but we did want to explore who he was before he was Panther. So we'll get flashbacks. There are there are ways where we can explore <laughs> the past um, in non traditional storytelling. I will say. Um, you know, the world of Wakanda allows us to do some really cool cinematic uh, things to take you back and, and fill you in on maybe what's happened before. How did Ryan crack things open from what you at Marvel were, were planning to do? And when he came in, what, what were the shifts that you saw? I think Ryan is a, a fantastic storyteller specifically with character. So we sort of knew the overall framework of what we wanted the movie to be. I think what he infused was a really good sense of the complications of being T'Challa and also really building out that supporting cast. One of the things that we love about the property of Black Panther is there's so many interesting roles around him, whether it be Ramonda, his uh, mother, his sister Shuri, Zuri, who is an advisor and a contemporary of T'Chaka, so sort of that last link to his father. Ryan was really interested in exploring those relationships. And also, I think, building out sort of his relationship with the Dora Milaje. You know, this sort of group of all-female kind of SEAL Team 6 uh, uh, Special Forces women. Um, but making them all characters, making them all individuals, rather than, again, just sort of this monolithic force of ass-kickers. That would be fun, and we'd always thought that'd be fun. Uh, but what we didn't expect and what he really wanted to explore is the depth of the emotional connections between T'Challa and those individuals. So there'll be a lot more as far as their their role in the story, because that was my next question. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're a big part of the movie. They're a big part of the movie. As you guys know, Denai Gurira plays uh, Okoye, who in our world is the head of the Dora uh, and a pivotal character in the movie. Um, but exploring how they work, uh, their role in Wakanda, and the relationship with the king is a big part of the storytelling. Is the betrothal aspect um, explored as well? It's not. You know, that was sort of a part of their, you know, the original Christopher Priest run, right, where they were all sort of betrothed, which, look, we felt like wasn't necessary to tell the story of the door, and in a way kind of we all kind of rejected as being a little creepy. So, yeah, so we will not be exploring that. Uh, well, actually, I mean, kind of off that idea, just kind of moving a little bit away from the comics, which Marvel mm -hmm. Studios has consistently done, but the relationship between Killmonger and Claw are obviously uh, mm -hmm. linked the, the way that we see in Age of Ultron. It's not going to, I mean, in Civil War, it's not going to be killing T'Chaka. So I'm curious yeah. how that if there is a relationship there. And it's definitely fun. not the relationship you expect from reading the comics. Okay. And as you said, we, we like to be inspired by publishing, but we also realize we're building our own universe, right? Um, I think uh, Killmonger and Claw have two very different agendas. Okay. Uh, and they, they do not line up perfectly. Um, whether or not these guys have a relationship is something we want you guys to learn. Sure. Um, but Claw, in our mind, uh, is very reminiscent of the Claw in comics, but clearly his, his genesis is totally different, right? Yeah, right. Um, Andy Serkis, who actually just started this week, is an amazing performer and I think brings a different flavor to the tone of the film, mm -hmm. even than what, what Michael B. Jordan does. Um, so I think it's been really fun. Cool. You, you mentioned family as being a big part of this, um, and that was a big part of both Priest's run and uh, ta Coates' current run, mm -hmm. um, as is the political situation of the day. Mm -hmm. Those runs have been very reflective of the world around them. So yeah. How much is, is this movie going to be reflective of an obviously politically turmoil that we're experiencing right. Uh, it's interesting. I think the movie is inherently political. Uh, the, just the idea of Wakanda being a nation in Africa that is the most technologically advanced in the world is a political statement without us having to go too much far past that. As to how political it will be when the film comes out next year, obviously we all know the political landscape is shifting so quickly. It's so hard to say. Uh, but when you're dealing with an, an African character in the outside world, I think politics are in, inherent in that. You know, um, we don't want to be too political. It's not by any means a message movie. 
But I think people, once they see the film, will see the relevance in it. In the same way that Winter Soldier, without hopefully being too textual, was talking about issues that we were all talking about uh, in defense and in uh, information gathering and that kind of stuff. I think uh, Panther will have similar kind of echoes of what's happening. Black Panther is really, it's an incredibly important story to black audiences. And not only will we see a black superhero, but we'll see one who's the wealthiest black superhero and the most technologically advanced nation. So my question is, how much of the wealth and prestige of T'Challa and Wakanda will we see in this film? I think you'll see all of it. I mean, uh, the Golden City is, we think, the most amazing city in the world. Uh, in a way that also feels grounded. What we, did, what we were very afraid of was making Wakanda almost too Kirby-esque, and by that I mean making it feel almost like they're alien and not human. And the truth is they're human. They're just 20, 25 years ahead of us. Uh, but having a city built on vibranium allows them to have all these advances and have wealth beyond our wildest imaginings, and that's a big part of the movie. As far as the technologically advanced side, you know, in our mind and in our... Incarnation Shuri is the head of the Wakandan design group. So she's, in our mind, the smartest person in the world. Smarter than Tony Stark, but she's a 16-year-old girl, which we thought was really interesting. Again, sort of black faces in positions of power or uh, positions of technological know-how, that's a rarity. Um, so it's something that's a big part of the film. And just a follow-up to that, mm -hmm. you mentioned Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. Will you depict the fact that T'Challa is, in fact, wealthier than Tony Stark? It's not... Uh, <laughs> we don't put a... It's not a it's not a plot point. You know what I mean? I think it's inherent in what you see without us having to point it out directly. Um, we think the Black Panther and the world of the Black Panther lives without having to make comparisons or see characters from other films. There's so many characters in the Black Panther world that we wanted to explore. We didn't want to rely on uh, cameos from, from other movies. So I wouldn't expect that. Um, nor do we want to have to make sort of those direct line comparisons. But I think it'll be obvious. You know? Building off of that, to get a sense of how the people of Wakanda or the people around T'Challa feel about his role in Civil War yes. and how he, you know, he was fighting alongside Tony Stark, he was fighting Captain America. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the movie, right? What happens when your now new leader has potentially exposed a big secret to the world, yeah. and how do you recover from that? I don't think everybody in Wakanda was super happy that he was out there. I think people understood. Obviously, the death of T'Chaka is such an emotionally charged thing. I don't think that people didn't understand why he did it, but they weren't happy about it. And uh, again, for a, a country that values its secrecy so much, that was a big deal. Will this movie have um, or explore like the more spiritual side of it, the city of Necropolis? Uh, it is. I mean, I think you know, in, in addition to vibranium, a big part of the movie is the heart shaped herb, and with that becomes the sort of more spiritual um, and ancestral side of Wakanda that we explore. Uh, and the gods too. I think you might see a little bit of that. You know, <laughs> again, we didn't. We thought this mythology was so rich, we didn't want to throw out any part of it. Uh, and what's interesting about Wakanda, which we always found fascinating, was it's not only the most technically advanced civilization in the world, but it has a very strong ancestral history that was never um, eliminated in a way it has been in other places because they were never conquered. So imagine a place that still has standing monuments that are centuries old next to the most modern skyscrapers in the world. In the same way, they haven't lost a lot of their cultural touchstones that other places have. They still worship potentially the same gods they did when they first started. They still have rituals that, have, that are centuries old because they never had that sort of cultural imperialism that you've seen across the world. Uh, so it is a place that really sits between being technologically advanced and also having a, a, a high value on their traditions. So you mentioned that this movie isn't going to rely on any cameos from other Avengers movies. Is it safe to assume that then The Winter Soldier is still on ice and just isn't going to factor it at all? That is pretty safe to assume. Yeah. All right. <laughs> How, you know, Scott Derrickson talked a lot about being able, the freedom that he had on Doctor Strange, um, getting to just tell a Doctor Strange story that happened to be in the MCU. So obviously this is a little more linked to the MCU having coming out of Civil War. Yep. How linked, how interlinked with the MCU is it, and, and how much does that dictate kind of what you're able to do with the story? Yeah, I th look, I think it's inherently linked because of the Civil War connections and honestly because of the Ultron connections with Claw. So there are strings that we are playing with. But again, much like Doctor Strange, we felt like this 
had enough storytelling that it could stand alone beyond those things. So we wanted to give Ryan the freedom to tell a story that wasn't relying on other things that were happening in the MCU. Now, that doesn't mean that what happens in the film won't have ripples in the MCU, but the film itself isn't reliant on other plot points in the MCU. When you started the story process, did you have a complete blank slate, or were there any kind of overarching story beats that you had to support? We had a pretty blank slate. We had a pretty blank slate. We knew we were inheriting stuff from Civil War. We had, again, ideas of what we thought we could explore. Uh, and then we sort of built it with Ryan and Joe Robert Cole, who wrote the script with Ryan. So they did have a lot of latitude to explore different, different ideas and put characters in and take them out. Um, but it wasn't by any means sort of hemmed in by things that we thought of. Does that follow up? Do you have to support anything that comes after? No, no. Again, we try not to do that, especially with these standalone franchises, to make them set things up specifically. It sometimes is a happy accident that they do. Um, again, Civil War is a good example of that. It was never the intention of that movie in the beginning to set up Black Panther, but it was a storyline that sort of dovetailed really nicely into it and allowed us to build this standalone movie. Uh, I think this is similar. It's not meant to set up anything else specifically, but again, there are storylines in this movie that could potentially spin off to do other great things. One of the things that, um, that Civil War did so well was that it was kind of a rarity in the entire superhero universe and that it had high stakes, but wasn't necessarily the end of the world as we know, yeah. it, a huge apocalypse, that type of thing. Was that something that, because obviously audiences responded so well to that, that you guys took into account when you were kind of you know, making this? Yeah, I think, I think we're internally very wary of sort of world is going to end stakes because I, it's exhausting, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it never, weirdly, those stakes being that high, to me, always ring false. You always take shit out of the movie because you know the world's not going to end, so you know, what's really at stake? We wanted this film to be more grounded and to have stakes that felt like they could happen and maybe they do happen um, because I think it's a, just a better ride for audiences. Uh, and also I think villains who want to either take over or destroy the world are kind of exhausted. You're just sort of like, <laughs> that's not, that doesn't feel real, right? Like, that's not stuff that any one of us at this table would want to do. So it always, I think, distances you from the villain a little bit. It's always better to have a more personal, pointed uh, a goal. It just makes them more interesting. Besides the, uh, obviously this is an original story, mm -hmm. uh, were there any specific runs of the comic, though, that they were uh, inspired by? I would say the two runs that were most inspirational were The Priest and ta yes. run. Thank you. I was curious to know, I'm glad that was brought up, yeah. because was there any consulting done by either Priest or even Hudlin or... Uh, you know, Ryan and ta have a friendship, so they've spoken. Uh, both Ryan and I have spoken to Chris, who's incredibly smart and obviously, I think, did the seminal run on the character so far. So we've talked to them. It hasn't gone as far as consulting, but we always wanted to pick their brain as to what they found interesting about the character in the world. Uh, and it turned out a lot of what they find interesting is what we also found interesting. Um, we love Reggie's run as well. We didn't talk to him as much. Um, it was really Chris, Chris and Tanahasi's runs that were the most inspirational. Speak, going off of that too, with the publishing, you said that you, know, you guys just tried to be inspired. Were there something tangible that you can speak to where you said, you know, we really want to stick as close as possible, maybe from the below the line costuming or maybe some of the visual looks? Uh, yes and no. I think there were definitely some inspiration points, especially design wise, uh, that that we got from both Chris and ta run. Brian Stilfries is an amazing artist, and some of his version of Wakanda and even Wakandan technology is stuff that we borrowed pretty liberally from. Um, but there's also a lot of original sort of Ryan Coogler and Hannah Beekler, who's our production designer, a lot of their ideas that are outside of publishing we found interesting. Um, because, again, one thing we really wanted to explore was real Africa and real African inspiration and grounding it in stuff that was terrestrial. And sometimes comics are beautiful but feel so far removed from what we know as real uh, that they, they become too heightened. Uh, and one thing that Han, I think, did really well was exploring actual African culture and actual African design and infusing it with sort of this cool new future tech to make it something completely new, which we think is really interesting. Uh, well, I was just kind of, like picking up from there. I mean, one thing that's I've always found curious about Wakanda is the fact that it's the size of New Jersey. Like, it yeah. is a very, very small place. Yeah. I'm curious in that sense how we're going to be kind of exploring the geography of the entire country. Yeah, it, as small as it is, it does have a lot of different environments, which we definitely wanted to explore. We right. didn't want it to feel like 
it was a city. You know, I think right. sometimes in comics it just feels like a city and yeah. then there's like some savannah. Uh, Wakanda has different regions, right. which is cool. Uh, it has different uh, climates, you know, and we wanted to kind of go through all of those. Uh, and another big thing, again, because it is a hidden uh, society in a way that it's never been in publishing, what is the public face of Wakanda versus the real face? Sure. And I think you'll get a sense of that. This is how they've been hidden for so long, and this is what's actually behind the curtain. All that is part of the storytelling. Can you tell us anything more concrete about the specific cultures or specific types of technology outside of the comics that you look to for inspiration? It honestly was everything. We sort of scoured the continent for the, the best of, you know. And, and in our mind, part of the storytelling was that Wakanda was one of the first peoples. And as they spread out, they took their, their, their traditions and their architecture and their pottery with them. And that became the basis for Kenya. And that became the basis for the Central Republic of the Congo. So uh, it allowed us then to pull from everywhere rather than just saying oh you know what it's it's really just inspired by this one place um because there's so much great design honestly and we wanted it really to be in a way a love letter to africa which you don't get to see a lot in film is there a story logic to the hidden quality like why they decided to be yes. hidden away? yeah i mean if if you think about the way the world works right whenever any country has something of value it tends to draw a lot of eyes and and tends to draw you into conflict, frankly. I think Wakanda saw very early on that if people knew that they had vibranium, which they do, they were going to be conquered or at least be at war forever. So they did the smart thing. They hid that fact. So nobody knows that they have this stuff. Uh, and that's why they've been able to have these advancements because they don't spend money on war. They don't spend money defending themselves constantly. Uh, they just spend money on infrastructure, which is something, again, that will feel topical without being sort of a hot <laughs> issue. But... Just that idea of, oh, yeah, what happens when you're not 24-7 trying to fend off the rest of the world? Uh, and by hiding in plain sight and being what we think people think of as a small African nation, right? Sort of poor farmers, shepherds, textiles. People leave them alone. Uh, and that's allowed them to build something amazing. So do you look at Wakanda as almost being a character the way that... Um you know, it's it's one of the only fictional locations in the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. And as much as New York City can be a character for a Spider-Man story, uh, is, is Wakanda so unique that it, it kind of pulls people towards it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a, an important part. And a lot of our early work, honestly, in pre-production was defining Wakanda and giving it districts and giving it neighborhoods and and showing you where the different tribes may live and why they live there and how their society was built because it allowed us then to map on a story that felt uh, organic rather than trying to force in different things. We wanted all of these ideas and all of these characters to live in a real world uh, so that relationships are even defined by what tribe you're from. We thought that was really interesting. Even characters that I, th that I think we all think are sort of fraught with plot and, and sort of... Um, they become politically charged. Like, the character of M'Baku has always been problematic. You know, Man-Ape is, is, uh, is an image that I personally find offensive and I think can be offensive if handled incorrectly. But the idea of the character that we especially borrowed from the priest run specifically, this guy who's the head of the religious minority in Wakanda, well, that's fascinating. That's something that's real. That's something that we felt we could ground and give him a real character story that made him worth including. So defining the world of Wakanda and how M'Baku and the Jabari fit in that world was important in making that character work at all. Because otherwise we would just would have taken him out, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm just an idea of the scale of film as far as like, locations. Are we going to see you in one or two? Or, you, know. uh, you get to go around the world a little bit. We thought that was important, again, sort of in our James Bond comparison. We wanted it to feel like it did have some scope so that it wasn't just a movie that was set in Wakanda. Um, not that Wakanda is not fascinating and not that we couldn't explore that forever, but it did want to feel like a movie that had ramifications beyond the borders. So you get to be outside of the country as well as explore the country. Speak to tone a little bit. Um, I mean, Marvel obviously has a long history of really fun films. Black Panther, though, is a very serious character. I'm yeah. curious uh, kind of where the humor is going to, be, is going to come from and the like just knowing Priest Run, if, Everett Ross, if we can expect that from Everett Ross. Uh, Ross is an important character in the movie for yeah. sure. I think tonally this does veer more towards Winter Soldier than it does okay. Guardians or Ant-Man or you know, some of our more overtly comedic films. Sure. Uh, I think the, the fun comes from the interaction of these characters. And I think as much as even Panther tends to be serious, 
Shuri doesn't always have to be serious. Akoi is a lot of fun. The character of Nakia, who Lupita Nyong'o plays, is a lot of fun. So it's it's surrounding him, much like we did with Cap, with characters who can bring out different colors was sure. important. So it's not, again, it won't be Guardians. Right. Uh, hopefully it's still super entertaining uh, without breaking what makes Panther Panther, awesome. you know. Can you talk a little bit about the villain in this movie and what Black Panther will be going up against? Like, I know you said it's going to be a power struggle, but is is there more to it than just like, you know, I feel like getting some power? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I think the the antagonists in the movie all have very specific personal reasons for opposing T'Challa. Um, it's, you know, I think Claw obviously has a history of Wakanda that we want to explore. It was sort of hinted at in Ultron. I think it will be expanded on here. Uh, and Claw has has made some upgrades to himself that allows him to be a a good uh, <laughs> allows him it allows him to be a formidable enemy, you know. And and that idea of an outsider who knows a, who's maybe the only person, honestly, who knows about Wakanda as well as the internal struggle allows us to have sort of antagonists coming from multiple angles. But it's not just about power. I think there are very personal reasons why anybody opposes T'Challa. You mentioned Shuri. Mm -hmm. She's going to be in the movie? Yes. Who's playing Shuri? Uh, a younger uh, actress named Letitia Wright, who's out of the UK. And how much of a presence is Shuri going to have? She's a big she's part of the prolific. film. Yeah, yeah. Look, she's, uh, you know, she's his sister, so she's going to be next to him in a lot, of, a lot of these adventures, a lot of these scenes. Um, again, our Shuri is the head of the design group, so it's a bit of a different tack than what you've seen in, in comics before. Um, but she, like T'Challa, lost her father in the last film, so that's going to resonate with her as well. Uh, and being the head of technology in Wakanda has a ton of responsibility, and one of that responsibility is, again, keeping that technology secret while still developing these amazing, these amazing gadgets. So, uh, you know, as sort of the walls start to close in, you know, what does she have to do to make sure what she's done stays out of the wrong hands? Just being like a Bond movie, then does she serve as T'Challa's cue? To some degree, that's that's a comparison we've made, and we didn't want it to be that one to one. But for sure, she's a big reason why T'Challa gets some new gadgets in the film. We we obviously have talked about the tone compared to the MCU. What about the action? This is obviously an action movie too. Yeah, we love seeing Black Panther kick ass. Yep. Civil War. So, how would you compare the action, and is, is what are we going to see that's different here? than even Black Panther's appearance in Civil War or, or what we've seen in other movies. Yeah, I think much like Civil War and again Winter Soldier before it, because the character is a little bit more grounded than a Thor or a Hulk or a Guardians, the action is going to be more grounded as a result. Um, but I think the way Panther fights, the way the Dora fight, is unlike anything you've ever seen because their culture is so different. So it's not sort of stand-up, bare-knuckle punching. It's a new fighting style that, again, borrows from a lot of different fighting styles from around the world. We want it to feel like, again, they've been off the grid doing their own thing. So whatever they do should feel distinct. It shouldn't feel like what you or I can see in any other movie. Um, they have weapons that are weapons we haven't seen before. Um, they have vehicles we haven't seen before. Imagine a whole world that's just going to open up for audiences. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, you've talked a little bit about how the outside world sees Wakanda. How much mm -hmm. are we going to see of how people in Wakanda see the outside world? Like, you know, obviously we're going to see how Black Panther feels about mm -hmm. it, like, you know, the average citizen, for example. Yeah, I think you'll get a sense of how Wakanda sees the outside world and, and sort of both the good and the bad, right? I think they... they you will see some characters who have a longing to be more a part of the outside world and other characters who feel like it's good that we're separate because the outside world is so flawed. Um, and again, that's where, hopefully without being heavy-handed, some of that political context could leak in. Um, it's just a natural part of the storytelling when you're talking about a society that, that is both a part of the world and totally separate. Can you speak to some of the maybe alterations or additions, changes to his actual costume as Black Panther? Because as we know, the costumes tend to change. <laughs> they tend to change. Films. Yeah, I, look, we we always love the idea of giving audiences something new. So you'll see the Civil War costume, and you'll see sort of 2.0 of that. And that, again, will be a part of, of Shuri's contribution, right? She's seen what the costume can do. She'll, she'll see some of the limitations of the costume, and she may have some ideas how to upgrade that costume to give him a little bit more juice. Uh, 
Does that include sort of like in the new run where it's it's kind of like Iron Man, where it's skin, sort of yeah. him? We've talked about that. I mean, I, I think it's something we're still developing, but yeah, we like the idea that the costume doesn't have to be put on in a traditional way. That he doesn't have to take the helmet off and take it on and zip up the back and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Is there a visual depiction of the history of the Black Panther in the movie? Do we? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if there's anything as pointed as that. I think even just in the architecture and some of the dressing, you'll get a, an idea, a sense of sort of panthers throughout the centuries. Um, so, and again, that's something I think will dial to taste to a degree. So I think you'll see a little bit of it. I don't know that it'll be a big part of the film. Uh, Wakanda itself was first hinted at in Iron Man 2. Obviously, it is a huge part of the comics, and I know that Marvel's been developing a Black Panther movie for a while. Was there ever any chance we were going to see... Like, because we did get it at the end of Civil War, but like uh-huh. Wakanda, the idea of exploring it before this movie, or was it always going to be held for this? We talked about it, yeah. uh, and the truth was there was so much to chew off, to bite off, we didn't want to waste it, right? right? Because uh, we could have gone there a couple of times before, and we, there were iterations of other scripts where you did okay. dip your toe in Wakanda. But we didn't want to tease it without having a full idea of what it was going to be. Sure. You know, we didn't want to start locking into ideas without honestly having a story or a filmmaker who had a full understanding of what the country was. So ultimately, all those ideas fell to the wayside until we could spend a full movie on it. Marvel hasn't been shy about casting big name actors, but this cast is a, a it's cut ridiculous. Above. I mean, yeah. the, the list, every single one of them is award winning, award nominated. The celebrated actors. Can you talk a little bit about the casting process and just the idea of, of being able to actually give all of these amazingly talented people something to do? Yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge. You know, we always try to punch it a little bit above our weight when we come when we cast. Uh, I, Ryan came to the table with a lot of casting ideas that were really good. Um, and the truth is, because of the subject matter, we were able to get a lot of people we didn't think we were going to be interested. Um, but the challenge then is when you have the kind of cast that we have, I mean, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, we haven't talked about, uh, you know, Daniel Kaluuya, all these great up-and-coming actors, all these great classic actors. The challenge is giving them all something to do. Uh, and it, it was hard. Much like Civil War, you want to give everybody a moment or a beat or a mini arc or something so that you don't feel like you're wasting anybody. Uh, I think Ryan and Joe Robert Cole have done that. Um, but... Even we were shocked with the caliber of cast that we ended up with. I, truthfully, like, we went after some people. We thought there's no way they're going to want to do it. Um, but they did. And I think a big part of that was Ryan. Uh, and I think a big part of that was the subject matter. Do you think a lot of that has to do, too, with the fact, as we talk about the MCU in general, that, you know, Black Panther is a storyline that, you know, us black nerds have been like, yes, please have it. And so that, right. you know, it talks to the casting. but. Can you talk to maybe some tangible things you're looking to do after this film to, you know, widen it up and, and see more of those faces in the other MCU properties? Yeah, look, I, I we've always tried to find room for faces that look like everybody and not just uh, homogenous casting. And Panther obviously is a big swing, which we hope to continue through many, many sequels. Uh, and take some of these characters and put them in a, even other franchises because I do think there's a way to cross-pollinate in an interesting way. But it's also finding new heroes and new stories that allow us to do that organically, you know. Uh, and looking at casting as a way to find the best actor or actress regardless of race or gender, frankly. You know, sometimes we get we step in it a little bit. I think the ancient one in Doctor Strange was a lesson for us. And in, in trying to avoid a stereotype, we created a, an issue that we completely understood in hindsight. But we want to tell stories for everybody. You know, I, I always point to the Fast and Furious franchise as sort of weirdly the standard bearer for casting a film that travels everywhere because somebody is represented no matter where you go. I think that's really valuable. I think it does something sort of culturally that it's hard to put a finger on, but that you really see pay off. To just kind of dovetail on that, did you see some of the social that came out immediately following the casting? Because, you know, we were talking about, you know, Black Panther so lit. Uh-huh. Then did y'all discuss that? <laughs> we did. We, did. <laughs> we pay attention. We pay attention to all that stuff. So, you know, it gets us excited when people are excited, you know. Uh, we don't take that for granted. We don't assume people are going to show up to any of our movies. So when people get as excited as they were getting for Panther, we were like, oh, we're on the right track. This is great. You know, it's heartening for us. We want to hear back from everybody. And we want, you know, Kevin has always said he's on the side of the audience. He wants people to love the movies as much as we love the movies. So all of that stuff we track for sure.
Scott Derrickson talked about having to do an elaborate pitch to get uh, Doctor Strange, and I'm just wondering, did did Kugler bring something to the table similar to that, or did you guys just watch Creed and go, that guy? <laughs> uh, we kind of watched Creed and said that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we hunted him down and we made him say yes. But it wasn't hard. You know, he, I think, to Ryan's credit, he obviously knew the character and wanted to do the movie, but only wanted to do the movie if he felt like it was going to be something that would have integrity, that he, at the end of the day he could feel good about as a filmmaker. Uh, and that's what we wanted as well. And, it, it, you know, I think Marvel has a reputation, earned or not, as being a difficult place for filmmakers. And I think once Ryan came in and met us all and, and heard what we had to say about the character and process-wise, I think he felt really comfortable. Uh, and it's been a really, look, we're in the middle of it. It's been a really good four weeks, and we feel really good about what we're getting. I think the movie's going to be fantastic. Um, and I think a lot of that's because of Ryan. Guys, we have time for one last question. Well... You've only been shooting for a few weeks, uh-huh. but uh, once you actually start principal photography, new things present themselves, new things in the story present themselves. Um, it, are there any surprises so far, anything so far that you've noticed that uh, the movie is starting to take on that life of its own that it does during the Yeah, it's a, it's a more emotional movie than we anticipated, I think in a good way. You know, when you read a script and read a script a million times, you... You start to just look at it from a plot perspective and make sure all the characters are tracking and the action's going to be cool. Uh, and then when you put living, breathing humans, bringing those characters to life and interacting with each other, you, it's the, that next level of, oh, these are real people. And their responses to things are not just plot-driven. They're, uh, they're driven by emotion. And I think, again, because our cast is so talented... Uh, up and down the board. Some scenes that we felt were like pretty good scenes that would get us to the next scene are like amazing scenes because the performances are so strong. So I don't think any of us imagined how emotionally impactful some of these scenes can be. Whether or not we can stitch it all together into a movie that works, that's to be (laughs) determined. Uh, But it makes us more excited. You know, we go, oh, this is going to feel a little bit different and, and... I think have a, a gravity, hopefully in a way that's still entertaining, but maybe is a little bit different than some of our other lighter movies uh, that'll make this feel like its own its own thing. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, oh, thanks for coming excited. out. Actor Martin Freeman. So to start off by asking a bit uh, about everyone in the comics, he's kind of a guy who's perpetually in over his head and dealing with uh, Black Panther and everything that yeah, he's been yeah, doing. Yeah. Is, that kind of ac- is that accurate in kind of what you've been doing? No. No. <laughs> no, it's not. It was, it was my uh, desire to um, not be... Um, I think we've all seen that the idea of the, like, the goofy white guy among cool black people. Sure. Going, what the hell? You know, like, <laughs> I've seen that about four billion times today, so I don't really need to do that again. I, and I think Ryan... I, I had early conversations with Ryan about that, and... <clears throat> Both of us were very keen that, that that wouldn't be the case in sure. this, you know. So I guess what was the He has moments of comedy, he has sure. moments of levity and like there's humor there. Okay. But um but not that's not his purpose. Gotcha. Yet. How would you just sort of describe the the direction you're pushing him in then? He is the coolest man in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um Well he's he's kinda of, he's a, he's um he has some authority. You know, he's he's good at his job. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think we're going as as realistic as you can be in a, you know, a, a heightened universe. Um, it would be slightly incredible for him not to be good at his job and not to be uh, uh, competent at this position that he's at. You know, so he's he's good at his job and he, he's well traveled. He's well versed in the ways of the world. You know, Wakanda is going to be a, a surprise to him, but. Um, but in terms of like meeting diplomats, kings, that's not particularly phasing to him. He meets superheroes. He meet, you know. So I think some of his humor comes from exasperation rather than you know like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not his um, function. I gotcha. guess. Would you say he's uh, an ally or a threat to Wakanda? To Wakanda. Yeah. Um, that that's a good question. It's I think we without ruining it for you. Um, I think he's, there's enough ambiguity there to, for him to be either and both. I think the position, the position that he's in, like he's, he works for the CIA, <clears throat> he works for the world's only superpower, so like a, an undiscovered African country that has all these goodies in it could easily be, oh, good, that's payday. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something that he wants to respect. 
I guess, you know, and I'll just have to leave it to the <laughs> Building off of that, going to the scene that we saw you guys filming today, what is, what's his, you know, thought process when he sees Claw in a room like that? Because we know that, yeah. that T'Challa certainly has something else on his mind when he sees Claw. I mean, I think Claw is one of those people forever who he, he wants, you know, to keep your friends close and your enemies closer. He wants, he wants him definitely on his radar <clears throat> to do future business because he would rather know where crazy guys like that are in the world than just let him go or, you know, have nothing to do with him. So I think, um, I mean, that was the interesting thing about playing those scenes with a Andy, uh, Circus, because normally I think there's, a, there's something about our Ross, anyway, that is quite, um, he's, he has a lot of status in, a, in a, any room he comes, he assumes that status, I think. Um, and he has, he has no idea how to deal with Claw, because Claw is a lunatic, like he's an insane. And so normally it might be uh, Ross, I think, who's a bit, hey, and a bit like that, but actually he's coming across someone who's just completely off the map as far as that's concerned. So for him there, it's just, I just have to kind of contain this. I have to get what information I can, um, but I want to keep him in, uh, on my yo-yo. You know, I, I want him coming back to me as opposed to, you know, what T'Challa wants to do with him is something else, you know, because he sees him as a direct threat to his country um, and, and has, has been a direct threat to his country. Whereas for me, it's it's interesting because Claw keeps me in touch with other bad guys in the world. That's what I was going to say. Is, does, do you feel like it, that has a similar sort of relationship to that scene you have with Zemo at the end of Civil War? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. I, what was, I mean, I enjoyed both those scenes, but yeah. what I like about being on the receiving end of Claw is that you are on the receiving end of it. You know, like he, he's going to do to you whatever he wants to do. <clears throat> there was no way that I, either I as Martin or, or me as Ross, could top that. You know, because <laughs> then you would just have two insane fucking people, <laughs> crazy, and the scene wouldn't contain it. But it, but Andy is extremely good at that um, wrong footing, keeping you guessing stuff. You know, and I think Ross doesn't like. He's a he's a pretty powerful guy. He doesn't like being wrong footed in his own. Uh, kitchen, you know, and that's kind of what happened with Claw. Yeah, there are some, um, so many different relationships on this movie from whether it's you and Andy or mm. like Michael and, and Ryan, mm -hmm. who clearly you know work together in the mm -hmm. past and have formed these relationships. Mm -hmm. Does that help kind of turn an environment like this that might be intimidating or just kind of you know overwhelming? I think it might, yeah, I think it might do, yeah. I mean, certainly, um, I, I'm getting on with everyone very well. I think Andy is the only person really who I knew. But Andy, he is a friend. Like, he's, he wasn't just someone I Like, we became friends, you know. So that, that's been really nice having him here as well. I think the few English people have been going, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because like a, a couple of the main cast are, um, have been English guys and, uh, and Leticia, an English girl. So yeah, that, that's been nice too. Because we're, we're actors, there's always only six degrees of separation from everyone you know. But uh, yeah, I think um, there are, certainly as far as Ryan's concerned, there's a few threads from his previous films as well, which I'm sure, well, they're there for a reason. You know? <laughs> I, was, um, I was really interested in the scene we saw today that we saw kind of two sides of Ross hmm. in a split second because you have that realization moment where you're like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. And then right after, mm -hmm. when the explosion hits, mm -hmm. his first instinct is to jump and protect somebody. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about mm -hmm. how those two sides of him, where he's kind of wheeling and dealing, but then he's also to mm -hmm. actually keep people safe. Well, I I'm guessing, Mike, that's the smallest coffee I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> what in the name of jumping to host? Like that's, but that's a, that's that's a latte. That's like this. That's, no, that's not. That's like a thimble of latte. I mean, no, you're about to see an actor kick off. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. It's fine. Um, it's over. Uh, I think that uh, he, kind of what I was alluding to earlier. I, I think he he's very good at his job. He's been. He's not. Like he is a suit, literally he's a suit, I guess. But he would have been um, trained, like everyone in his position would have had field training and he would have done little bits, I think, in the field even though he's not an all-action guy. Um, I think he's a, essentially a decent person who is wanting to save lives where possible, um, even though that doesn't take up 100% of his day. Um, most of his stuff, I think, is diplomacy. Really, I, th I think if he's dealing with people from other countries, other cultures, I, I think he's 
good at making his agenda the agenda that he wants on the table. You know, um, and I th that's it. I, I think unless he's hanging out with superheroes, he's a he's a pretty high status guy. You know, like he would be the guy in the room who's like, okay, he's here. But like the guys, the guys he's hanging out with are even more like you know, high status. So, um, yeah, I think he has both of those. He, I think his job would mean that he has to have both of those things. Which again would be kind of different, I guess, from the comics. You know, like him actually being an able, a physically able person and an intellectually able person. And, and I think morally kind of um, sound. You know, like as sound as you can be if you're high up in the CIA. Like, like, you know, <laughs> some of the decisions you will have to make will not be pleasant and will not be things we would want to make, but you have to make them. And, but he's by no means... Because um, he could be the man. I mean, like, and he works for the man. But I think within that, he's, um, he's a decent guy, I think. You know? How um, active is his role on the ground in the action scenes in this film? It's kind of there. I mean, it's... Um, Again, you know, he's he's going to uh, he's among either superheroes or people who are kind of warriors, like the warrior cast in Wakanda, and he ain't that. But um, I think he, when push comes to shove and people need every, you know, every person they can use, then he's happy to to help. Um, but yeah, he's he's there. He's there. I mean, we haven't filmed a lot of that yet, so it'll depend on on the day, I guess. But no, the the plan is he's definitely going to be involved in fighting. Yeah, yeah. When you were cast in Civil War, yeah, obviously you knew you're part of a larger universe. Did you know you were specifically going to be in Black Panther next, or how did that work? That was the idea. Okay, yeah, cool. that, as far as I was concerned, that that was the idea. I don't think I'm getting killed for that. <laughs> I don't think that's super. super yeah, I, that that was my uh, understanding. Yeah. Does it feel liberating to be able to talk about it now? Because when you first got cast, they wouldn't say a fucking word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but then the, I, I, while I'm talking now, I'm still not quite sure what I can't like, <laughs> think. I you know, um, yeah, it's it's always nice to be able to talk about a job, but then at the same time, pretty much every job every actor does now is like working for the real CIA. <laughs> so uh, it comes with that package of. What, what, what did I just say? Like, am I, you know, am I allowed to say that? So yes, it's, um, you're always walking a tightrope between wanting to talk about this job you're enjoying, but also not messing it up and, you know, pissing the producers off. Well, I mean, since this is your, I'm sorry, uh, this is your second time in the MCU, but you've done obviously little things like, you know, The Hobbit and Sherlock and other stuff. <laughs> but what about this particular production feels different from these other large scale productions since you've been on set? And mm. what maybe do you find very unique to this production? There are more black people. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's, true. that's, that's true. Like, really like, in, like uh, then it's true. Thank God for that. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to mind. I'm not, and I'm not just saying that because that was you asked me. Like, uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a big movie, but honestly, it's, it's, it's more mixed than anything I've done, I think. Okay, well, as how is it like, like being the white guy on the set? <laughs> it chews me up every day. Uh, no, I, I'm really enjoying it. I, mean, I, I like Ryan a lot. Um, I think I, I felt, from my point of view, and I hope it's reciprocated, I felt quite a... An understanding quite early on with him, just the way he, you know, the way he greets people is very friendly. It's very normal. It's, it's not, you know, because I'm sure I, I'm sure he must have some nerves about this, but it's not that kind of nerviness that that manifests as a weirdness or whatever. You know, he's he's a young guy doing very well, but he's 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 a hugger, you know. <laughs> so he's he's a nice warm guy. And I think a lot of the time, and I think the Marvel people are good as well from my time in Captain America. This is obviously, I'm doing more in this than I did in Captain America. So I'm getting more of a handle on it. But everyone here seems very decent. That's the truth of it. You know, it's a big, big film. And it's a big, big universe. But people, I think, try and make it as normal and as down to earth as possible. So I always believe in a trickle down thing that that, you know, People, the, the production takes its cues from that, I think. And it does feel quite um, familial, actually. It feels quite um, close. It's, re it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. To talk a bit more about the scene that we were shooting, it does kind of seem, just, I mean, what's one line of dialogue, but it doesn't seem that maybe T'Challa trusts Ross all that much. Would you say yeah, that's a fair I think, part of their dynamic? I think they're both kind of feeling each other out at this okay. point. Yeah, I, th I think until um, it really hits the fan and, and you see kind of what side they're all on. Sure. 
they are kind of, um, yeah, they're sussing each other out. Is part of that just Wakanda being kind of new to the world stage? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I think because again because of Ross's job, it's not he's not a social worker. He's right. he deals on the hawkish side of things and by nature. Um, that he he doesn't want to particularly give ground, sure. and T'Challa's a king, and he's not used to giving ground. You know, so, so it's um it's perfect uh, ripe um, soil for that thing of. People going, who the hell are you? And then sure. slowly working their way towards towards, a, towards an understanding. Very cool. Yeah. We have time for one more question, guys. Being the literal outsider amongst all of the Wakandans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is there anything in particular that you have to do to to develop the character where you're developing these relationships with them as actors, but as characters, they are all already over here, and you're yeah popping in yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I am the Amer- you know, I'm, I'm not American. I'm playing the American in uh, in the story, you know. So, so even, I think even more than the the more than the racial thing, actually, it's the country thing. It's like I'm I'm the Western American CIA guy, and I'm in Africa in a country that no one else knows about, and it's a very tight knit, insular community, you know. And um, that's how they've managed to do so well because they've kept it all to themselves you know which is another kind of interesting part of the politics I think of the show show is the film episode four um, yeah it's, so I think that that's always interesting to to be in because at some point inevitably what's what you're playing and uh, feeds back into the dynamic of who is playing it but yeah suffice to say I'm not being bullied Okay. <laughs> we're all very uh, no it's 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 lovely it's very friendly but it's but yeah you're always aware that you, you, this character is slightly outside of it and he's trying to find you know he's trying to find his way in without ingratiating himself you know without trying to sort of go hey let me be your friend because again he's not that guy you know he, he he will he would survive without friends definitely but he's trying to understand the world he's in and they are very very slowly some more than others very um, suspiciously letting him in kind of drip by drip. And I think when he proves some form of usefulness, um, of course, then that, that's a quid pro quo thing. That, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not a free passenger. He can actually bring something to the party. Thank you very much. Actor Andy Serkis. You look surprisingly human, right? Oh, I know, I know. It's very, it's incredible being in pants, you know. <laughs> it's, I've discovered a new side to myself. Well, I will ask uh, a kind of a straight question, which is how long have you known that you were going to be a part of this movie? Well, of course, I, I, you know, Claw appears in Age of oh, Ultron. Right. So, so um, and then that happened. That the, the way that all happened was um, th- they were actually working with the Imaginarium, which is my performance capture studio. Uh, we were working and consulting um, back on, on on Ultron, working with James Spader and working with uh, Mark Ruffalo, and uh, you know, initiating them into the process of motion capture because they were both using uh, performance capture, and, and we were. Um, you know, providing services for that, and then Joss Whedon said, "Hey, this is crazy. Why don't you come and be? Why don't you come and be in the show?" And it's just like, "Oh, yeah, all right. Then that'll, that'll be fun." Um, so that you know, so so that happened, and then of course, when this came along, I knew that I knew that he was part of the Black Panther story, um, and it was just, it's, I mean, it's just really great being being back. Very cool. Getting to actually be yourself. Yeah, for, uh, which I haven't done for a while. Which is, is yeah. Um, is is there a different level of connection that you're able to get to this character, or is is there a difference between when you're doing nah. motion capture? Or- no, I think uh, you know. I think we, I think everyone knows now, really, that it's just <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's just acting, and it doesn't really matter what you're wearing. It's just another costume, you know. Um, at the end of the day, and you're looking into another actor's eyes, and you're communicating with them, and you're playing the role that you're playing, whether it's a an ape or a human or a whatever. You know, you're still, you know. I mean, I just. You know, obviously, the next Planet of the Apes movie is coming out soon, and 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 the level of connection in that is as exactly the same to the level of connection I have with my fellow actors in this. What's Claw been up to since Age of Ultron? 
Well, he's just been uh, basically causing mayhem in the world, and um, on minor and major levels. Um, he is, you know, he's this, he's a, he's he's a smart guy in the sense that he is a businessman as well as an arms dealer. Um, uh, he manages to cover his tracks. He's a he's he has a, a mercenary army that works with him in different locations all around the world, and uh, he's able to sh- sort of sort of go down rabbit holes and appear in other places so he's he's got the smarts um but he's also he's a little whacked out and uh, a little bit um, how did you um come to the voice because it was in ultron that you came with this african mix like how did you come to that well yeah we decided that claw would be you know we would make him south african a very strong afrikaans kind of quite you know bullish you know uh in a very kind of you know edging towards kind of not being particularly politically correct person, you know, <laughs> let's say. Um, you know, uh, he'd fit in the White House quite perfectly. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that, though. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, or, in fact, in Britain at the moment. Um, uh, so, you know, so, yeah, so that, that was, um, that was, that was, it was a gr- quite a smart decision, actually, I think. Um, it, give, it gives him a real edge and it gives him a, a kind of, also because of the relationship to Wakanda as well, which is obviously, an, you know, a, 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 you know, an misunderstood African nation, if you like. Um, and so it fits very well politically, uh, I think, that he's a, he was of, uh, of South African descent at a time when, of course, Apartheid was, you know, he's, he grew up through apartheid. So uh, yeah, so that's that well, kind it of calls a very prolific adversary in the comics, and now we're dealing with another adversary, Killmonger. Yep. So are you guys working in tandem together with or against T'Challa, or do you guys have your own separate uh, plans? Claw Claw doesn't really trust or work with anybody. He is his own man. And, uh, you know, he does deals with people. He interacts, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't form allegiances or alliances to anyone. So, so he's very much a kind of ultimately a lone wolf. But, but, you know, as I say, he has these pop-up groups wherever, wherever he happens to be in the world. So he's not so, so Killmonger and he aren't kind of, you know, working together or, or, or as such. You know. Can you say if we're going to see a sort of closer iteration of Claw to the the visual that we've seen in the in the comics. Um, you, well, I mean, we've established the character, and the character is is you know it, it is kind of what we we saw in Ultron or our version of Claw. Um, you know, uh, he obviously uh, has or, or, you know he ha- had his arm chopped off, and he has um, a weapon. You know, he has a weapon. Um, which we will discover. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say too much about. Am I allowed to talk about Claw's weapon? Surprise, surprise. He's a very good donut thrower. (laughs) Villains, especially super villains in comic movies, um, there's a danger of coming across as too cartoony or one sided. Uh, What kind of balance are you able to find with this character to make him a full character? I think he's very, I mean, I think hopefully. I mean, hopefully, um, he's 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 quite grounded in his. You know, he's able to. I, I think he's he's not definitely not one color. You know, he's, he's he's definitely different shades, and he has a humorous side to him, and he has got a sense of humor. But he's equally can be very deadly, and he can be. You know, he's he's quite mercurial in and transitions in sort of emotionally very quickly. He turns on a sixpence, so. Um, you know, he can be outwardly s- sort of f- friendly to some people, or funny, or amusing, and then you know, and, and then turn. So I think it's it's he, he definitely feels kind of grounded in in, uh, in in a kind of you know, there's a darkness to him which grounds him. Having worked on so many other huge uh, you know, um, franchises and stuff, what stands out uh, about uh, Black Panther specifically and how Ryan works? I, I, you know, I mean, in the short time that I've worked with Ryan, which is literally two days, um, he <laughs> um, he's he creates the most incredible atmosphere on set. He really is the most, you know, um, very subtle. He's a very subtle actor's director. You know, he, he knows what he he wants, but he allows you to to play and explore and uh, in you know with the with the other cast members. Um, and and then gives great, very specific notes, and and you know it's a sort of 
I, I was told actually because of course Martin Freeman I've I, I worked with before um, in what was it what was the oh the Hobbit and uh, <laughs> and we and so we, you know where we fa- we kind of faced off with each other there and uh, Martin and I was we were emailing before I came down and he just said you know Ryan loves kind of the freedom of, of of what actors give and then and then sort of bouncing back and circling around and sort of so there is a really there's a great deal of play in this which is. Which is really exciting. You know. In the context of the scene that you guys are filming today, what, do you, what is Claw's first reaction when he sees T'Challa walk in the door? Um, well, he, he he yes. I mean, again, without giving too much away, he's sort of he's aware he's aware that he was. It's kind of um, it's not a great surprise. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great surprise. Um, you've done a lot of work now behind the camera. How has that translated to how you approach a film now? I mean, after the Jungle Book and Hobbit. Use it, make it like I'm glad I don't have to be the director. Oh no! I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm actually right in the middle of posting two films at the moment as well. So this is actually it's it's great. I'm really enjoying just the yeah, like not having the responsibilities. <laughs> um, but I'm but I'm sort of mid right in the thick of it with with two other with with Jungle Book that I'm in post on, and also another small independent film that I've directed. At the, at the end of last year, called Breathe, which is coming out at the end of, of this year. Um, with Andrew Garfield and Claire Foy. I mean, they've, they've just turned in the most amazing performances. And uh, so, um, so, uh, so it's, a, I, you know, I love, I, I tell you what I find, when I was on Jungle Book, uh, I found it, I, I, I'm not the sort of actor-director who likes to direct himself as an actor, if you like. I, I find that, I, I, like, I don't like to split my, my, my skills, and, and I much, much prefer, I mean, I love this coming in and just dig, digging straight into the character and getting into it. Um, I mean, lots of actors do direct themselves in movies, and it's just not my thing. And I like to concentrate on one, one or the other, and bury myself into into you know that world. In the movie version of Claw, we see a, a long-standing connection with Wakanda, or is this kind of a, a bit of a reset? Is he's he's got a he's got a very uh, specific relationship to Wakanda. Um, I was gonna say it's the brand on your neck is still there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not giving too much away. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he's you know he's kind of got a, a bit of a love hate relationship with it, really, um, and he certainly has discovered things about it that nobody else has, and uh, and and we discover that in this in this movie that he had he actually because you know he's one of the few people who's actually been into Wakanda, um, he reveals quite a lot about it. Does he have a personal relationship with T'Challa? He has um, again. He doesn't really have a personal relationship okay. with with with, with anyone. Right. Um, well, I just meant have they like cross paths? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. They've definitely crossed paths, and and uh, you know, th- there's a there's a you know they they spar. Okay. They spar. <laughs> <laughs> what was new for you about the character? The thing that you were like, oh, okay, I get to play this side of him. Well, actually, it, it, it's it. In this in this one, there's there is quite a lot more humour actually, which is which is great, and it's it's sort of a, a level of you know again it's that thing where you don't know whether he is actually really enjoying this or whether he's playing enjoying it or kind of uh, you know whether he's really laughing or whether it's it's uh, you know he's he's just That's hiding behind it. So it's 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 it is quite it's very interesting the way that Ryan's put it together. You know the writers have put it together. A lot of actors talk about villains uh, who don't look at themselves as villains. They're they're always the heroes of their own story, or they have their own goal. D- does does Claw look at himself as a villain? Does he recognize? Oh, of he's... course he doesn't. No, 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 no. I mean, he thinks you know he thinks what he's doing is is uh, existing in this world in the way that he, he's created his own you know moral relativity. Really, he's. He, he, he square. He has no. He's quite nihilistic. He's quite. He's he squared it with himself. He knows cheap life is cheap, and you know you're either you're either at the bottom of the pile or you're at the top of the pile, and that's it. You know, it's not. It's it's very very simple. It's quite clear to him how how he's what his more where his moral compass is. Um, he, what he doesn't like is hypocrisy. He absolutely despises hypocrisy, and um, I, I, and so kind of uncovering uncovering that is. Is, is definitely part of the way I'm playing him anyway. Can you talk about building up roles? And we know this particular scene we're watching is like about a third of the way through the films in South Korea. Can you talk about what Claw's doing there? Well, he, he um, at, at this point in time, he's, he's actually been 
Can I say that? I don't know what I can say, really. Um, but he's been caught and he's been, he, he's been held, you know, and interrogated. So, so uh, you know, they're, they're trying to basically work out what he's planning to do, which is, which is you know, I mean, a, huge <laughs> a huge element of the Claw character in the comics is the fact that he kills T'Chaka, which isn't something that's being put into these movies. So I'm curious how you're able to kind of use the comics as a source material for your performance. I mean, I think, uh, you know, with all, with, with, all, with all of these, it's about how you, expa- you, know, how you expand on a, on a character, which is, you know, and, and, bring, and bring your take on it. Sure. Um, obviously, some of the plot lines are going to be different. Obviously, some, you know, they're not going to be, be exactly the same. So it's, it, so it's importing the essence of, of those stories and the, and the character into, in, you know, into, into this particular version, this re- retelling of those tales. What kind of research did you put into Claw? Because in addition to the comics, there was also a really great animated series for Black Panther that featured Claw. So uh, what research did you put into it? Well, I, I, I mean, I was, you, again, it's so hard without giving away too much. <laughs> I was just about to launch into it, but I, don't, I just don't want to say too much. Uh, <laughs> um, Do I need to stand behind you? <laughs> 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 um, you know, um, I, I, gosh, what can I say? I mean, well, j- just in terms of the the, the 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 weapon he might or might not have, um, and how he—I mean, he he is actually quite a brilliant um, um, assembler of of um, weaponry and and technology and putting those together, uh, and so I kind of. Looked a lot into and into that. Put it to, to be very, very um, superficial about it. <laughs> okay, here's one that's not plot, so you can maybe answer. Um, so you're now part of this huge family. You and Martin have both done previous MCU films, um, and you think you can play any character. Who would you, if you could be like, I want to play somebody else from the MCU, just to be like, I want to do it. Who would you do? Oh golly! Um, wow. Um, ooh, let me think. Um, I, yeah, I'd quite, I've always wanted to, to play Iron Man, Iron Man actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think Iron Man's a great character. I'd like to play Iron Man next time, when they make them again. Yeah, yeah. when they reboot. Yeah, exactly. So, your, your last few characters, um, like Caesar and Snoke, are both kind of enigmatic and very inherently powerful leaders. Uh, what kind of qualities are you able to draw from past roles like those that you're able to put into Claw as well? Well, uh, let me, let, what, what kind of inspiration from, from other ca- yeah, other characters? Yeah, from, in... from other characters that you've played and, and just this, this idea that you, you tend to, it, it seems like you tend to fall into more, uh, more leadership roles or at least somebody that thinks they're a leader. Right. Know? Right, right, right. Well, um, I don't. Oh God, I don't know if Claude thinks of himself as a leader because he is—he is just a solo operator. Ultimately, you know, he is—you know—he is first. He is a mercenary. I mean, he is literally. He would have come out of the army and, and become a mercenary and started amassing on small scale, you know, getting into deals and working with um, agencies and you know, building up his own network. So I think he's a. In this in this case, it's much. It is slightly different to a lot of the roles I've played. Um, in that he is the he is the master of his own destiny, and you know he he's very accepting of that, um, and uh, yeah, so so it's so I don't think he fe- ever feels like he's leading a um, a, a gang or or a um, you know a, a mercenary army. They fit into his, you know, he picks people up where as and when he needs them. You know. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Sorry, I've given you no information whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> that was a headgum podcast.